0: Welcome to Kashrus on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. And tonight we think we have a wonderful show. I think you'll all agree. You know, uh, one of the things that's happening now is it's 50 years since the K- kosher from getting back uh, Yerushalayim, and, and people are talking all about thinking back to what was so many years ago. I mean, many of you people listening now were not around 50 years ago. So obviously you can't think back then, but you could you could look at you read about it. But many of you people who are listening to me could think back about twenty-two years ago, and I'm gonna sum up today, believe Nether, in a short amount of time, I'm gonna to try to squeeze in twenty-three years. Of cautious information, I know it sounds like a little bit much, but we have, you know, we, we have a, a a concept in Yiddishkeit, kvitzes haderach, and a Baruch Hu will help me. And if you'll pay attention and 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 not uh, go on to something else in your life, I think I'll be able to give you. The list they say you know give me 20 minutes I'll give you the world the world or whatever I'm going to give it give me about 20 minutes and I should be able to give you 22 years uh, I'd like to uh, stop before I, before I do my program tonight I want to point out two things one is a piece of news that was very disheartening and I think everyone should take it to heart and it has a, a couple of implications for all of us who are sitting here listening now to my words. I'm reading a factual thing from a community not far from New York. I think I'm going to keep quiet about where the place is, and those who know know, and those who don't know don't know. I'm going to read part of the news story: ten-year-old boy overdoses on cannabis-infused sour candy. For those of you who are not uh, up to date, cannabis is uh, is marijuana, and uh, in today's world, you can get Candy with marijuana in it, and you can also get kosher or supposedly kosher, maybe some are really kosher, some are not really kosher, but you can get kosher uh, candy and cookies and stuff like that that have marijuana in it. Uh, I don't advise it to you, but this is the story a 10 year old boy, I'll skip the city again was sent to the emergency room after apparently overdosing on cannabis-infused sour gum candy. Police were called to the emergency room at a certain hospital at 5.30 p.m. Sunday. The child's father, 37-year-old, and I'll skip the name, but he's a from-person, obviously from-person, and we do know who this is, said he permitted the, the boy to sit alone in the family's car. A package of pink... Lemonade belts infused with cannabis, that's the, the, uh, the, you know, the marijuana, was also in the vehicle, and authorities say the boy ate the candy and suffered the effects from the THC in his body. He was treated and released, and uh, this person was uh, arrested and charged with endangering the welfare of a child. He was released on his own recognizance. And they're putting in for testing the, uh, the candy, and of course, they all know that what it is. I mean, obviously we know what it is. But the point of the story is like five things at once. One is, does the cautious agencies did the cautious agencies really want to certify marijuana products? That's a big question that I have, and uh, I've already sent that question to a number of people. Or at least one one person in particular. I'm mean, thinking of sending it to more, but I sent it to a leading person in the kashrus field. This question, and uh, asked that they the kashrus agencies uh, discuss the issue. The second question is, you know, leaving alone a ten-year-old child and thinking all the time what you have and what what could be dangerous for a child. Leaving a car, the child in the car, even though ten years old is not young, but 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 uh, you see, you know, here we are. Uh, and it doesn't have to do with a car, it has to be in the house. If there's something that's dangerous, uh, it's whose responsibility is it? You know, and also, what is a person, a from person, doing anyway with such a, a product? Uh, in this particular case, I'm not convinced that it's a kosher product. So that's a different issue also. Whatever, it's a very sad story, and uh, I just wanted to let the people know about that story. I don't want to get into it. The other question, the other point that I want to bring up, is I got an email, and uh, one of, one of the points of this show is that we're trying to uh, address a lot of audiences, and it's very difficult. And you're going to see in a second how difficult it is for me. And I'm sharing this with you with full humility. But because I love the, uh, the person who wrote it to me, I decide I'm going to read it and not just hint about it. So this is the email I got from a a good friend. Thank you for all the valuable cautious information imparted on your Cautious on the Air programs to which I often listen. I wish you what's Slach in all your endeavors to be Mezake HaRabin. I was disappointed, however, to hear you mentioning the six apps last week. I'm sure you are aware of the many Michsholim caused by smartphones and how gedolim discouraged their use by people uh, who do not absolutely require them, and even then, only with proper safeguards. To publicize apps and thereby entice leaders, listeners to obtain smartphones, which of course we didn't want to do, I mean, I don't have one either, uh, especially on a program to which many young people and children listen who definitely do not require a smartphone, is a disservice to the Rabbim. And for that, of course, I'm sorry if it, if, if if anybody gets the idea that I'm pro- Apps, But I'll finish the story and finish the letter, and then you'll see what we're going to say. In a similar vein, in the past, when you discussed some cautious information that was available on YouTube, you conceded that some people are offended by your mentioning YouTube, but that you let, felt the information was important, implying, of course, I didn't mean this at all, but implying that those people who have, have some personal chumrah, that is not an issue for most people, meaning that, that somehow he felt that I was, was saying that, that if you want to be Machmir, blah, 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 but the rest of us have to do YouTube. To sanction the use of YouTube to a, your general audience that can easily lead to videos of the worst content is a concern for people who, for everyone who cares about their own and their children's ruchnias, and is not justifiable. Perhaps you can make those cautious videos available on your website, That way a person need not visit YouTube itself. So Belie Neder, my good friend, from now on that's the way it's going to be. We're going to try not to encourage the use of any apps and we're going to try to um, make any uh, videos available to you from my website and maybe we'll find another way to do it, which is a little easier than me being bothered with all that. But whatever it is, we're going to try to uh, cut a shortcut. And and it's true that we don't want to promote things. I that I personally myself don't even believe, believe in promoting them. But I don't want chas Vashom which should come about even accidentally. So. You see, we, we take very seriously your words and keep listening. And thank you for all your help all these years, because this is a very good, good personal friend of mine who I, I decided not to call me, but rather to send the an email. And I appreciate it. And today, I'm, now I'm going to begin our program. <laughs> um, this is a very uh, a short replay of all the things that happened in the last 23 years. It, I, can't, I can do it in the 20 minutes. But I can't give you all the information. And anyone who wants to call and ask questions, just wait until about 6.30 and we should be able to uh, entertain your questions on these topics. Looking back about 23 or more years, the big problem that came up was the uh, hair from India, the women's shaitlach from India. And it was a big topic. Nobody thought of such a thing before. Nobody even dreamed there was something wrong with the hair and my goodness and you, know, you know where it came from. and and yet they discovered Rabbi Donner was very involved with it and people went there and they, they discovered that they were shaving their hair and giving it to uh, to, to the Vodozora as a gift. So it was a cross of Vodozora, and it, it could be possibly the real stuff. And after that, they take and make the hairs out of it, because they, they make sh- the sheitlich out of it, because they needed the bill So this big, long hair was being cut and given to the to the shrine over there for the for the Zorah, and there were barbers outside these shrines and actually cutting these women's hair, and that's what the people bought. You, you were allowed to buy it and sell it somehow, and then afterwards it was bought, and that was making a lot of the shaitlich the real the real hair, you know, the natural uh, shaitla. So that became a big thing, and then everyone had to check out where it's coming from. During that time, there was a gear who lived right near me, who was an Indian, and really, real Indian from India, and he decided to find out what's going on. So he called his family, the Goyim. He called them in India and asked them what's going on in that shrine. It was near where he lived, and he's trying to find out the details. He said he could not get any clear information. That's how confusing it was, and he felt there was a kind of conspiracy going on there to hide the facts. That's what he told me. So anyway, it was very, very hard to know the answer to that, and some people thought it was like over the top, and other people felt... A lot of the rabbanim felt it was mamish chiyuv uh, to not use those hairs, and you had to get. If you remember in those days, I don't know what I don't know what everybody's using right now. I hope it's all kosher. But uh, they, what they uh, what they what, what they did was they got certification that this is definitely not from them. Okay, so they were getting somebody from others. They were getting the source of hair from other places in the world. But afterwards, not too, not too much afterwards. I think, and again, my history might be wrong. Maybe I'm getting the order wrong. The next thing that happened to all of us was uh, the milk controversy, the milk situation. Well, I was a, just came back from from Israel, and uh, I just walked right into that whole situation about the milk controversy. And it was an amazing thing. It seems they were, the, the, the animals have a uh, special uh, problem called a bis- displaced abomasum, this problem with the stomach. Can, uh, cows can have this thing where it, the stomach gets distended and it's dangerous. And what they have to do is uh, get the the air that's out of the, out of the stomach. So they either do it by inserting a needle, which is a hypodermic needle is inserted in a, an angle, goes into the stomach, and it makes like a hole, and uh, at that time is a shaila of whether that makes it a treifer. And once it becomes a treifer, it doesn't become a non-treifer. It, it remains it's the status of trafer, and uh, it wouldn't be allowed to be used. You couldn't eat the animal, and you couldn't drink the milk. And then uh, there's another method that was used to w- manipulate the animal, which is a little bit more difficult in some ways, and, and some veterinarians use this method, and some veterinarians use that method. Incidentally, it was interesting that in New York State, uh, Cornell University trained the veterinarians, and all of them were being trained to do the method with the surgical method. And that might have rendered it to be a trafe. But at that time, the decision of the OU and many of the cautious organizations was that it wasn't a problem. And we were learning uh, Hilchus Trefus then, my Sunday shear that I give, uh, and we and I said, Let's learn the halachas of the stomach. And we went and we we learned the stomach. Uh and the board makes it trefanaut. And then I made an appointment with Rabbi Belsky, Zatzal. So? I asked Rabbi Belsky, I have an oilem, we learn with we learn on Sundays, we're learning year a day, we're learning Hilas Trefus, and I'd like to come over and talk with you and, and discuss the topic of this uh, the shell. He said, Call a kavod. I said, I want a half an hour. He said, no problem. Came over, we were there three and a half hours, and it was back and forth in discussion. What can I tell you? It's one of the high points in my life, that discussion. It was a beautiful, a beautiful, beautiful discussion. And at the end, I asked him, could you eat the animal? So he said no. He said, you can't eat the animal because there's a Shiloh of, of whether it's a trafer. So then, but, well, why are you permitting the milk, I asked him. He said, there are a lot of spakers here, and we're going permit to permit the milk based on a spake spaker. So that, that, was, uh, that was how that was handled, and it was very, very interesting. So uh, what happened in the non-chal of Yisrael world, the chal of Stam world, the business as usual, but in the, but in the uh, chal of Israel world, it was a it was a whole new revolution because this is it was a real serious problem, and they had people who were on the farms and could do something, and the decisions were to go one way or the other. Some some businesses, some Chalv uh, Israel companies, went this way, and some went that way. The two ways they went, one either was that they. Removed the uh, the cows that had that displaced abomasum and had the surgical procedure. They removed them from the from the from the the farm completely, and they made the owner sell them out. Now, when you sell something like if you had a car and you had to sell your car, now it's a used car, you'd get uh, whatever some hundreds of dollars for it, maybe a thousand or so. And but if you have to buy new cars, twenty thirty thousand dollars. So, you know, uh, obviously there's a big, there's a big uh, difference between those numbers. Of course, you've used your car, and it, doesn't, it can't go on forever, but the outlay of a big amount of money, and the, how much is left of your car, so it, it doesn't really work out well for you. And that's what these farmers had to do. In order to have the Yichal of Israel business, they had to sell out these animals, of them to go to other farms, and they had a key, and they on their farm they only were allowed to have animals that didn't have the operation. So, so some people went with that method. Others said that's sort of unfair. It's not a good plan because first of all, it, it costs a man money, and secondly, it gives an opportunity to want to cheat. So we don't want to let him have that. We don't want to put that stumbling block in front of him. We don't want to put that pressure. So what they did is they check each one of the ears. Of the uh, of the cows. On the ear of the cow is a little tag that indicates with a number on it, every cow has its number. And it's on a little tag on the ear, and you could check that very quickly. And eat and the Mashkicha, mashkikh, or Mashkicha, as it, as the case may be. And there are mashgichot on some of the farms, so the uh, the, the has to check the um, has to check the number and make sure that that all the animals that are now being serviced in the uh, in the milk parlor where they're where they're getting the milk from, at, they have to be animals that did not have this operation done to it. The others could be used. In other milkings, but not in, in the Chal of Israel milking area, and that's how it's handled in other farms. But we actually did, did address it. Um, we go on now. After that, I can't tell you what happened next, but I remember the New York City water. Oh boy, was that a big one? Because it started in my house. <laughs> what happened was this is a, this is exactly what happened. Somebody who a good friend of mine. I asked him. I was giving a class. On Sundays, I was, uh, in addition to my regular Shia, I have two on Sundays. So, in addition to the Shia, I also taught Mashkichim. I was trained, at had a Mashkichim training program for about four or five years. And each day we, we keep getting new people. And uh, we went to, uh, I wanted to show them about checking for insects. And this person, I know that he uh, does a lot of vegetables that need checking. And I wanted him to help us uh, to show the people what to do and, what- and to show them the bugs. So he went to his house, and uh, he uh, he checked everything, and and I said to him, you know, I saw in the refrigerator that you have uh, for marriage to Israel, you have gush katif. Why don't you check that? He said, check gush katif. That's like you know, uh, you know. What, what can I tell you? You can't. You ain't You know, you don't check gush katif. I said, why not? You know, if you have a, a method, then let's see. So he said, okay. So he took the gushkati, put it in the water, checked it, and this and that. He says nothing there. That night, about eleven thirty, I get a call from this friend of mine. He said, "Can I come over?" I said, "Yeah, what's going on?" He said, uh, "What happened was, uh, I checked the gushkati with you, and nothing was wrong. And for some reason, I checked it again, and I found bugs." I said, "Really? Yeah." So I want to show them to you, see if, see if you agree that they're bugs, first of all, they're insects. So I came over to my house, and I told him, there's no question about it, that, that's a bug. There's no question of what they were, it's, it's exactly what everybody knows cobwebs are. It looked clear as a bell, uh, you know, you could see it with a naked eye, and you look a little closer to get, make sure you understand see it properly, but you could definitely see with a naked eye. And I said, there's, there's definitely insects. So I said, but, well, you must, one, one, one thing, you've got to contact Gush Katif. Why? I said, because Gush Katif should know that there's bugs in there. Okay. He said, it's okay. So he he contacts Gush Katif, and Gush Katif writes him back a letter. He said, it's in your water. <laughs> the, the, the bugs are in the water. He said, what do you think he did? He laughed. He said, this is insane. And he pushed it aside. and didn't worry about it. Go ahead. Comes back uh, a, a year later. He saw the same kind of bugs in his water when he's checking the, uh, some vegetables. And he said, You know what? That's the same kind of bug I found in Gouj Katif. And he, st- and he said, Let me, let me, uh, I don't know, whatever. I don't know. Somehow he, and he remembered that they said it's in your water, something about the water. So he said, yeah, Let me check my water. And he took something, wrapped it around the faucet. Uh, there was a sock or something. He wrapped it, an undershirt, he wrapped it around the faucet let it go for about five minutes, took it off, checked the undershirt, put, the, put it into water, You know, got to see if there's anything there, and sure enough, he saw the bugs. He saw the copepods. And then he went crazy. He said, you know, got to do something. He went to his Rav. His Rav said, said to go to certain people in the conscious agency. He did. And a week went by, two weeks went by, and he was getting itchy. said, it can't be, I I can't, let's go on. So I called four people together. Four people came to his house. I wasn't one of them. (laughs) Four people came to his house, and they saw the books, and of course they went crazy. The next day, the entire Flatbush knew about it. It, I can't tell you how, but it was fast. Everybody found out about these insects. And then uh, the rest is history, and it was taken up, and of course... There were those who were matier, and then guess what? Belsky was, was, a, was a matier and claimed that the, these the copepods did not come from the reservoirs, but they came in, in the uh, pipes. They grew in the pipes themselves. If they grew in the reservoir, it would have been a problem. If they're not in the reservoir, you, or they came in the pipes of where the water is, and uh, that's the uh, I, I believe that was part of it. He had other reasons to use matier, and there was a split, and the most almost almost every single conscious agency decided to be machmir on this, including the OU, and to say we're going to make like, filtering in New York City water. Since then, there are some little bit uh, some of the conscious agencies maybe not doing toning the line, but but officially that is the, pro, the the program. There are people who are claiming that there is no there are no insects on in some of the waters. And, the, and New York City, some of them are claiming that. But the mevenim, who I ascribe to the people who have been doing the work constantly since the very, very beginning, they say that's not true. So again, these are things that I'm not going to get into tonight, but uh, that was the next controversy. And I have a whole list here, but just getting closer to that 6.30 time, I'm going to just abbreviate some of these. The raisins, oh, the raisins is a good one. The raisins is uh, one that's a classic one. Everybody, but everybody, is mask him that there are insects in raisins. It's not a fact. I didn't see every single raisin, but plenty of the raisins have insects in them. They are insects that come from uh, you know, a, a bug comes down and, and it leaves eggs inside, and they grow inside, etc., etc. Cetera, et cetera. We, we we understand that. Now, if it grows inside while the ra- the grape is attached to the vine, attached to the ground, then it is considered to be not edible. It'd be, it be trafe. You can't eat that. You can't eat that bug. You can't eat that raisin. If it comes when the uh, you've taken off the, uh, the 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 vines from the ground and you're letting the raisins, uh, I mean the grapes develop into raisins, laying on something, put away someplace. If the insects come then, then the halacha says that they're not unkosher. They're one of those things which grew inside something, and it was not. It's a whole halachic issue. I'm not going to get into it today. But that's the halacha. So now we don't know where did these bugs come in. Did they come in here? Or did they come in there? And this issue, the scientists are not clear about. The scientists argue the machlokas, are scientists, about where these bugs are coming in, where the more or more bugs are coming in. And so we have a question mark. So Rabelski Zatzel, he based on the Taz in your idea, Pei uh, S- uh, S- uh, Pe- Dalid. Sif Katan, your base over there. The Taz says, in such a situation where you don't know where they came, he he said it should be a spek faker. There are other opinions. The Shach, the Prima who do not hold that way, and the more Hamish organizations decided to go with the uh, with the other opinions and the Machmir on the raisins. Okay. The celery leaf miners that's not a, a new that's not a question there's leaf miners in celery and everybody's a check for leaf miners somebody told me something about taking off the skin of the celery it's ridiculous and nothing to do with this per- point at all I don't know when they would do that for it's just a question of looking for a leaf miner and making sure that the, c- the celery is clean and it's something that could be done very easily um, if you I how you can you know that we'll do it another time again okay. The raspberries were interesting because the raspberries, everybody ate raspberries when I grew up, and they showed you how, over the years, they developed the system of how you could sort of clean out the bugs in the raspberries because inside there are insects, that you could see. I mean, they're just they're walking in and out between the little clumps. They, you could see them, like in the strawberry you see them coming out, but here it, there's plenty of them inside, they're going in and out. That's a natural phenomenon in b- berries, uh, the, and the blueberries have it, you know, that there's maggots inside. So the maggots are going in and out of the raspberries, so they made up a way of dropping the raspberry and the, and the maggots come out and then you could eat the raspberries. But that was working for a while and now nobody in the field says you could eat raspberries. As far as I know, there's not one conscious agency that says you could eat raspberries. What happened? Either it's more of these bugs or they they realize it doesn't work that well, the system. Whatever. That's what it seems. I think everybody signed on to that one. Strawberries was interesting because even though there are not to use strawberries at all, there are those who have uh, a method that they think cleans the strawberry. But one thing you know is if you read anything about these, you'll see that the, the, every cautious agency says there's a real problem with strawberries. Some say don't do it, don't do anything, and buy them from us, we, we know how to prepare them. I remember seeing that in the booklets that come out and, you know for Tubishvat you know nobody you know don't check it yourself it says but we do a good, good job and other places say you know they could do something they tell you some mechanics personally I don't use them now because I'm taking Rabbi Vaya's opinion about it and uh, that's uh, up to everybody's own idea then but I mean, the strawberries were a tough one because we all loved the strawberries then came the blueberries the blueberries Again, everybody knows there's an issue with blueberries, and everybody knows there are maggots in blueberries, and there have always been maggots in blueberries. It's just a question of the numbers. It's a question of the situation at the present time and, it, and different countries at different times, and whether it's a smart idea, whether it's safe to be able to say to eat these things or wash them a certain way or check a certain number of them. Everybody has different ideas on it, and I'm not going to get into all those details tonight. And then came one of the big ones was the anisakis in the fish. And the anisakis in the fish is a major, major, major topic. It's not obviously not for a couple of minutes. When I was growing up, when I, when the, the old the old days, everybody knew that there were worms in fish. The worms and fish were in the stomach when they, you know, it, it, it ingested something, they ate it, and then they would do worms in the stomach. And they were, we were told that the white fish, you had to be very careful, and you had to pull out the whole stomach because these kinds of worms got into the white fish. was the kind of thing it was eating. And they would go from there into the, into the, uh, into the actual flesh of the fish. So if you don't pull out the whole stomach, these worms will get into the fish. But if you pull the stomach out, you're safe. And what happened was, people used to like to make whitefish steaks and stuff them with some with some filling. And to make a steak, a whitefish steak, you don't want to cut the stomach open. You want to uh, keep the stomach intact and pull out the uh, a little piece of the stomach in each steak. That's the way it's done professionally, and that and that is no good because then the stomach stayed in. And the insects got into the body, and uh, people knew about that chumrah. That it became everybody accepted that one. But then they started discovering that the, in the flesh of the fish, there were worms. I I spent an afternoon at A and B many years ago, and they showed me the whitefish with all these uh, worms in the whitefish. It was. Amazing. I said, that's what goes on in whitefish? They said, Look, I saved you all the bad ones. <laughs> so they sh- showed it to me, and we were pulling these out like crazy. It was amazing how, much, how many insects there were in the whitefish that had to be used. And the reason they used that whitefish uh, is because it was a very tasty whitefish. But of course, it, it, it was hands-on work but very good professional people who were working up there to pull these out. But on the anisakis, though, was a different deal. Anisakis, big insects, many of them, in one little piece of whitefish. I'm sorry, of salmon, that uh, of you know of a, uh, a wild salmon, couple inches, maybe about two, three inches square, a little a nice little piece like that could have fifty worms in it. Sounds shocking, but they are very, very thin and they're long. And they would st- extend if you if you, if their thickness is not that much and they're sitting down in and in you know let's say they're uh, you know it's vertical as opposed to horizontal. You could do the fifty worms very easily, and you'd see them. Oh yes, you'd see them. You could see them sometimes climbing out. But th- these are real worms, and they're alive even when the fish is dead. And yes, it's a it's a real issue according to some. Others said based upon Gemara and Shulchan Aruch, not for tonight's discussion, based on Gemara and Shulchan Aruch, they're all acceptable, even if you'd see them, you know, openly right in there, you can eat them. There's different opinions here. I once spoke to Rav Feinstein about it. Now, I didn't this is not an official answer, what I'm going to tell you, because we were just, I just caught him a few seconds at a chasana, and I asked him if the Rosh Hashiva, meaning his father, had had, uh, had any uh, comments on the worms. So he said, he really doesn't know. But he remembers his father eating fish would sometimes take something out of the fish and say, das is a verm meaning it's a worm and he wouldn't eat it. Whether he meant he won't eat worms or this was disgusting to him like a worm, he doesn't know. And he, but he remembers this scene occurring a number of times when he was eating fish. The grapes became uh, the topic of interest uh, because uh, no one is going to say you can't have grapes. They're going to say that grapes have to be washed very well and you'll see different conscious agencies requiring different levels of washing. And we've described here a number of times what Rabbi Vaya suggested, which is a little involved, but doesn't mean you'll stop having grapes, and believe, I know I could still continue to eat grapes as well. Then there was a uh, funny one that came out not so long ago, the garlic. It seems that the garlic, the outer shell of the garlic, the, the, the thin skin on the outside, Insects are right there, just like they're on the end out of the, uh, the end of the uh, onion. They're are they, are they on those thin skins of the onion, they're in the thin skins of the garlic, and uh, they're real, real issues. But once you've taken that off and washed it off the piece of garlic, you have no problem. So the question was some people are using whole garlic with the, with the uh, outer leaves on as well, and that was an issue. Um, the pineapple which is that uh, you have to be concerned about the outside of the pineapple, and especially even when you cut the outside off, there's sometimes a little brown piece, little little pieces that are brown, because it went in a little bit, that has to be removed as well. And what's interesting about the garlic and the pineapple is that that seems that the cashew agencies... Uh, I mean, at least, at least the ones that I saw took it very seriously. I saw that uh, uh, in this case with the pineapple, for sure. I saw the Star K put out the same information as Rabbi Baya was putting out. So they obviously realize that this is a serious um, issue. Even though we don't see anything when we're, open, we're handling a pineapple, we don't see any bugs running across. But obviously they're there, and obviously they're big enough to be seen. And obviously the conscious agencies are taking all things very, very, very seriously. The last one was the orange juice. I think I don't know if it's the last one for history, but for the present time, maybe the last one that came up. And uh, yes, they did see insects in there, and there's no question there were there are insects in some of the uh, some of, some number of insects in some number of orange juice containers. But according to David Feinstein, I asked him myself. He said that there's no issue. And uh, there are some people who are machmir anyway, called a kavod. But uh, as far as the halacha, the, uh, Rabbi David Feinstein said that there is no issue with almond juice. So that really is a rundown on a lot of years. And I, I think if you take things in perspective, we just came off two past years, Bahar Kosai, and you're talking over there about uh, Bahar. We're talking about uh, the giving the land back to Hashem, Shabbat Shabboson, the seventh year, not to do any work, and to recognize that the land belongs to Hashem. And then Shemitah, we give actually the land back to its original owner. It's not mine anymore. And the Avodim that I thought I had, I lose them also. So we start to see the things that we have could be taken away. And that's the ruts Hashem. People didn't cry about it. People accepted it. And when they sold something or bought something, they, uh, uh, whether it was a, a property or a, a slave, they knew that there's a limited time in it. And, and we have to realize that w- w- nobody owes us all the foods of the world. Hashem doesn't say you must eat everything, you can eat everything. Hashem says to follow my laws. And, and observing the laws of the insects is, is what we're supposed to do. And if it means we can't eat certain foods, so be it. If we could give up all land that we had, we bought, because Yoyvel came. If we could give up our land and not work it for a year, entire year, and rely totally on a Kaddish Baruch we can't give up a raspberry. We can't put a filter on a on a on a faucet. I mean, that's not much of a mysterious nefesh. At least this for where I'm sitting. That's what I think. Uh, any questions or any comments on Kashrus? Whether the things we mentioned? Now, if you want to get the details about the 13 things I just talked about, you can call here at the studio. Right now, 718-683-5858. Or you can talk about whatever you'd like to in the Kashris area. 718-683-5858. Is this working? Okay. Okay, I can maybe wiggle it over. Okay, if you want to text us, it's 347 927 8398. Again, texting is 347 927 8398 or call the studio 718 683 5858. 718 683 5858. And while I'm waiting for you to call, Let me just say a word about our sponsor, which is Glotmart. And when you think of Glotmart, conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M, you should think of price, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or a full wagon load, you can save plenty of money by shopping at Glotmart. Now let me give you a few of the specials that are on sale today and tomorrow only. For $8.99 a pound, you can buy either Family, uh, uh, I'm sorry, beef pastrami roast, down under roast, or veal spare ribs, all of them are eight ninety nine a pound. Mahadran dairy ice cream, fifty six ounce, four dollars and ninety nine cents. Domino sugar, four pound bag, one dollar and eighty nine cents. Hecker's flour, five pounds for two dollars and thirty nine cents. Dug and breaded pil- tilapia, two sixty nine a pound. And raw tilapia, $2.39 a pound. Those are some of the items that are on sale at Glatt Mart today and tomorrow. And starting on Wednesday, two Tom cream cheese or pharma cheese, $3.79. Fresh and tasty farmer cheese, one pound, $3.99. J&J whipped cream cheese, $2.99. J2 regular uh, eight-sliced pizza, 6 Dollars and 39 cents. dairy ice cream, 56 ounces. Again, at 4 dollars It's a good price. And here, Dugim solid white tuna in water. That's what I eat. 2 2, $2 for $3. That's $1.50 a piece. That's good. Camach Graham Pie Crust, 99 cents. And, and all the Coca Cola 2 liter sodas, $1.29. Those are just some of the items that are on sale at Galat Mart. And the Glatmart, you can say plenty of time using their special um, p- parking area. Pull into uh, Glatmart from the East 12th Street entrance and Have the car there for you when you're ready to load up with all the special items you purchase in the store. And at Glattmart, the quality of the meats is A1 with kosher certification from both the Star K and the Vatacasha's of Flatbush, With base Yo Safe Meats and with expert Nikor at Glattmart, you're getting quality kosher. Glattmart is at 1205 Avenue M. Meeting your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meat Dove in Glattmart, Tell him you heard about Glotmart on Cautious on the Air over J-Root Radio. Is anybody calling in? Okay, go ahead. Hello, you're on Cautious on the
1: Air. Can we help you? Yes, can you kindly tell me why the puree strawberries and blueberry yogurts are fine? What exactly do they do when something is pureed that makes it kosher?
0: Well, it's not the question. Let, Let me explain to you. First of all, I can't take. Uh, I mean, again, I don't know what what any company does. We're, we're not talking about a specific company. now. you asking a question? It's a good question, and I'm going to explain it to you. But we're not talking about any real people because we don't know what they do. But if if uh, if I am giving certification to a company and it's owned by Jews and they're and they're making this product, they can't take strawberries. Right off the, uh, you know, right, right out, uh, right, just uh, just grab a bunch of strawberries, and when the, in the season when there are plenty of insects there, and throw them into a machine and puree them, they can't do that, because that's called mevatel iser lechatchila, that's getting rid of an iser, getting rid of something that's forbidden. We can't eat the insects, so if if the if the process of crushing it up Gets rid of the insect. It's like taking a little bit of butter and putting it into my chont. Or it's like taking a little bit of uh, you know chazir uh, and putting it into my chont. You can't introduce treif into kosher. You can't, and you can't take something that has a bunch of bugs and just crush it up. <clears throat> it's forbidden. That's it's called ein mavatlin and according to some. It's an isa reisa, it's forbidden from the Torah. The others hold it's rabonah, but it's definitely not acceptable. What they probably do, and again, I'm not talking about any particular company, they probably do a thorough um, working up of the strawberries to the point that they feel that they're maybe even good as is. Or maybe they're buying from a company that is certified and they're buying from them, you know, obviously they're buying a large quantity, and, the, <clears throat> and, they're, and they're doing something with that. And then they, they put it into this machine, and it makes it into, uh, as you said, pureed. And then at, the assumption is that the insects are no longer whole. If they're no longer whole, then uh, you don't have to worry about the fact that there is little parts there of these insects. Now, this sounds a little disgusting to everybody who's listening to me, but if you eat peanut butter, you are probably having parts of insects. If you eat ketchup, you are probably having parts of insects. There's an amazing amount of insects out there. There's a fellow I know who had worked for the OU out in California about 30 years ago, and they wanted to get a certain, uh, a certain product, uh, wanted to get certification for the OU. They were doing dried fruit. And he said, I walked out there, and I saw them. They dry it outside, and there are, there are insects crawling over everything and dying on top of these things. It's amazing how many insects there are. He said, I couldn't give them coach certification. So when, when you expose yourself to, to any food... That's uh, you know could have a possibility of insects, they're going to be there, and there and the government gives out a list of of uh, what what how much is allowed how much insect parts are allowed in the different foods. We are all ingesting insects part of them in our food, and you have to accept that. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong in that because we're not putting it in. we don't know it's in there. we know in general it is that way but we don't have any specific... We didn't take some trafe and put it in. We, didn't, it, we just know that in the production, that happens. It just does happen. Our job is to check to the level that a human being can check, and, uh, and after that, we, we have to say that these things are, are what they call, bottle. they're nullified. I hope, I hope I helped you. Thank you very much. You're certainly welcome. Take good care. Go ahead. You're on. unconscious on the air. Can I help you? Hello? Hello? Yes, go ahead, please. You're on the air.
1: I don't know who... You, are you talking to me?
0: I am talking to you.
1: Okay. I just want to know, can I buy fresh strawberries, wash them down with soapy water, rinse them, and then peel it?
0: You don't need to do all of that. If you're peeling it, it means that you're taking off the whole part outside, right. and there's no little seeds anymore, and it's completed, and then you wash it off, you're good to go. You don't have to wash it first, just... Cut it off, if you, but you, you get very, very large t- strawberries. Right, right. Get a very, something that cuts very, very thin, mm-hmm. and you'll have something left. It definitely it, tastes good. It's definitely a okay. strawberry, and it's 100% good. Just make sure there's none, nothing left from the outside.
1: Right. Okay. okay. Take Thank care. Thank you very much.
0: Bye. Thank you. Before anybody else, is, uh, somebody uh, I see texted in here. Uh, he asked, what did I say about garlic? What's the problem with fresh garlic? The only thing to worry about is the outer shells the the outer leaves just the garlic cloves inside are fine. Take the clove out, wash it off, and use it in any way you want to. but just make sure that none of that uh, nothing comes from the um, from the outer shells the from the outer leaves that shouldn't get in anything any food that you're handling. The other question I was asked here on the uh, texted in uh about potato kugel <laughs> he heard that the potato kugel may be shahakol if it's ground finely i thought it would be helpful to share this well this i am sorry i even started the question it's a very interesting question and the question is what's called fine or what's not called fine you know if you have if you have a grater, and i don't think anybody uses graders anymore but if you have a greater, uh, they, the grater has a lot of different parts to it you know small, medium, large, extra large and some of the pieces definitely are going to be and some of it what comes out might be less than that but in today's world what they use is pureeing and if you puree it in the machine then at that point there is no recognizable uh, potato anymore so most people would say then the bracha should be shahako even though it's, we know it's all potatoes but it's that's the, the basic opinion that if you can see a little potato, it's hadama. If you can't see any little potato inside, then you're going to call it a shahako. And there's all kinds of different de- degrees of what's called small. So now here's the good point. Whatever bracha you did make, Hardama or shahako, you're definitely correct. I mean, it's not the right one, the right one is, Hadamah, when you see the pieces. And we're suggesting that if you can't see the pieces, the bracha should be shahakal. Thank you for that question. Yes, okay, another caller going You're unconscious on the air. Can I help you?
1: Yes, I purchased the ready-made salad bag, a particular company that has a hashgacha on the front of the bag. On the back of the bag, it says that this product is kosher only when the kosher supervision is indicated on the front of the package next to the date, the expiration date. On top of that, occasionally I have seen yellow stickers from another hashtaffa plastered on the on the bags. When I went to purchase the bag the other night, they did not have bags that indicated that Hashkafa and well, didn't, well, have, they, 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 they didn't have which
0: didn't have which Hashka? The 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 one with the I date? Can
1: mention um, no, 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 they, no, 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 no,
0: no, don't mention the name. They, they didn't have the of that was with the date
1: code? It didn't have the Hashkacha symbol, and on the back of it, it says, of course, it didn't have, if it's kosher, you know, that has to have the symbol.
0: Okay, I, I'm, I think I know what you're talking about, and, and let me just comment.
1: And there was a yellow sticker indicating that it's under two other Hashkachas, and okay. it's fine.
0: Okay, so let me explain this to you. It's a very interesting question, and I get asked this very often, and... You know, it, it's what makes life interesting. Okay, because
1: before I, I went to I, and, I store, do know,
0: and I do know the company. They took I do, it I, off the shelf.
1: They took it off the shelf. And uh, I, the that's their business. Okay,
0: okay, fine. But, but, okay,
1: I'm listening. But,
0: oh, you want to know? We want to know what the facts are. Okay, the facts are yes. like this. There are, in, in that particular setup, this is a, a, a big company, and they make, uh, they make salad uh, vegetables for the entire country and they have Ashkocha from one particular cautious agency, and it will be in the date code, but it's not on all their products, and it's not on all their products all the time. And right now, in California, if you read my magazine, I don't know you didn't get it yet, because it just came out today. I just got it today. We're mailing the issue, the Kosher kosher Travel Guide issue. We're mailing it, hopefully, tomorrow or the next day, because everybody has to have it. It's got... 355 cities to visit uh, all across the United States. And, uh, and one of the features of this I- issue is about the problems in California right now with the, with the insects. They, they're, they're, unfortunately, this is going to be the worst year in California for, 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 for vegetables, and a lot of the conscious agencies are not going to be able to get their, their vegetables kosher all the time. It's it's a very big problem right now. Okay. Is the biggest problem probably in the last five or ten years. So th- this is a fact. Anyway, okay. so so this this conscious agency, the the one that's on the date code. So they have a system of of spot checking or and uh, whatever they do in the plant, and based upon the findings that they have, they decide whether this thing can be acceptable to them or not. And they mm-hmm. don't produce kosher across the United States. They only do it in Jewish areas where there's a, a high concentration of Jews who are interested in the kosher product. So you can go into Kal- into uh, Kalamazoo. I mean, well, maybe Kalamazoo is a Jewish community now. But, okay. but But you can go to some small town, and you will not see all year long that little that symbol in the day code because there's no one who there who wants it so they don't bother selling there they don't bother ordering it and they don't bother producing it so they, oh, they a it's, marketing. A, it's a market, it's a limited quantity the other one with the yellow sticker on the top they have somebody in the plant who is doing work for them and in California, is there a, where the But where this bagging of the, where the, where these bags are made, they have somebody in the plant who is their Mm mashkiah. There's a separate, separate, separate uh, control. So based upon their find, they take their packages, which are very limited. They don't take uh, 50,000 bags. Maybe they take 1,000 bags. And that's Mm -hmm. their whole business. So they have, they're able to control that. The, to their satisfaction, and, and you talk about two good conscious organizations also. So that's the story. It's the inside scoop. Nobody knows what I just told you, uh, and, and, and no one could figure out what I told you. I only heard from people who happen to be in the know and, and who have, who, uh, who know this factory from the inside. In
1: other so, words, for so that fact that it has a sticker that has been, it has been randomly checked by these two organizations,
0: I don't even ran- the fact that there's no hush on
1: the
0: package from the other organization. I at least let me i I'm not sure I got you, but let, listen I will try to say clearly that I understand what I'm saying. I'm saying okay. that there are two different organizations that are functioning separate. And the findings of one do not necessarily have to equal the findings of the other. Okay. And the right. and the one that with the yellow sticker is doing let's say a small quantity of a thousand bags. So that they can control a small quantity of that nature easier mm-hmm. than the, the, the other conscious agency can control what they're doing for the whole country, so it, mm-hmm. it 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 could come to they could come to different decisions. But you are right that officially the, the other conscious agency will not take that product. So it's a little confusing, right. and but it, but it's a legitimate what we call machlokus <laughs> l'shem shemayim. They're both right. <laughs> okay. Well, or, wait, no uh, the
1: question was because in one store, the proprietor, when I indicated to him that it doesn't have the that hushkosh on it. Okay. He sent the workers to check the packages if it didn't have that huskash, to take it off the shelf.
0: Okay, that's, that's his would be that, and That's his that's and his, the his other decision.
1: store that I went to. Yeah. They had the yellow stickers on the packages.
0: So each one could do what they want. If you're looking okay. for this hushkocha, you got it. You're oh, looking for that, Ashkochi. You got right, it. As long as, as, long as you I got somebody look. that you're happy with. Okay? Thank you very much. Okay, Take care. Next caller. Go ahead. You're unconscious on the air. Can I help you? Yeah. Oh, young fellow. Okay, go ahead.
1: Know. I want to know two things. First of all, um, are you allowed to drink Slurpees?
0: <laughs> it's not a question we're allowed to drink Slurpees. We go through this every year. Um,
1: first, What's the problem?
0: First, First of all, uh, let me see if I have the other thing here maybe I brought it with me it, it's not a I'm glad you're asking because as I, I love to talk to people about it I just the, the, my, the people who are on the, listening to my show have heard this so many times it's coming off, out of their head L- let, me, let me explain to you when it, there's, there's a couple of factors we'd like you to go into a place with a Jewish atmosphere and those places don't have a Jewish atmosphere there's no Chal of Israel there. There's no other things that are kosher. And there are things that could tempt you and make you make, and you could make a mistake and purchase it and it wouldn't be the same quality. That's number one. So that, that's why we don't love you going in there. Number two, yeah. there's no guarantee that what it says on the little sign in front of the spigot where the, where the slurpee comes out of, there's no but guarantee that what you have is what it says there. And um, there are mistakes all the time. I went into that st- to a store last year on 7-11, which, is, which means July 11th. For oh what I'm not going to go to the story again, the story that happened then. But I walked into the store, and I was trying to check something. And I, First of all, I asked to check, and they wouldn't let me check to find out what was being used there. They wouldn't let me check to find out what, what Slurpees they had. And then I, saw, I was looking at the labels that they have in front of the Slurpees, and I said, what's this one? And he had told me that all the Slurpees in the store are kosher. So I said, yeah. what's, so what's this one? So he said, that's on the list. I said, look on the list. It's not the same name. It's almost the same. Now, I don't know if you know much about Slurpees. I do. There are These companies make like 20 or 30 different uh, flavors. And some of them sound ex- almost exactly the same. So he has a list of recommended cereal uh, slurpees from some hashgacha that uh, they the recommended, and yet the one that was in his in his machine was not that one. And he's telling everybody it's kosher. Then I I, I saw another one. I didn't. It wasn't on the list either. He said, "Oh, that's a new one. They're trying it out. It had no hashgacha. It was not on the list yet." And they're trying it out, so that's when you walk in, you're being served by a non-Jew, and you're relying on him, and he doesn't have your interest at heart. That's the point that I'm trying to make.
1: Yeah, but um, like, I thought like the um, the rabbi comes in to check when they put in the, the flavors.
0: You live in Brooklyn. Yeah. There's no rabbi checking in any Seven Eleven in Brooklyn as far as I know right now there was a time that the Kuf K had hashkocha on several stores they the, the stores stopped the association with the with the, with that and i tried very hard to help them to get it started and it, we never were able to get hasgacha on these stores there isn't any hasgacha on the stores so i would love so you, i would love you to try somebody else there there's a guy on uh, avenue m I don't know if he's doing it now or not, and I don't want to give out names and this and that. He was—he was on our. We had—we had him on the show here with advertising, Um, advertising and more. No, that's something. Something more. I don't know where it is on M and Fifth Street. He has over there now. Oh no, not him. Next to him, the guy. I forgot, I forgot the name of the store. Anyway, so what he, what he has, uh, if you're fine with the uh, you know, in, 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 in s- similar products, there are, there, is, there are similar things, and they will be, or they can be, or maybe they are, in some Jewish stores. I'd love people to tell me which stores have such a thing. I would rather uh, recommend it to people. But uh, I, I'd be happier if you were in a better environment the, where you see a lot of from people And I would be happy if you were eating something and drinking something that didn't have, uh, that had real hashkocha. And you're not relying on a non-Jew saying to you that it's kosher. I don't think that's appropriate.
1: So you're saying that it's not kosher?
0: I'm saying for you, like when you you would have called me up on my telephone, I would have said, it's not for you. That's what I would have told you. That's how I would have answered you. It's not for you. Why? You sound like a yeshiva boy. You sound like a boy who is serious. I would say it's not for you. That's what I would say. you asking me as a trafe? let your yeah. father and mother go there and, and, and supervise and see that they're satisfied. But I'm telling you, you shouldn't just walk in and ask the owner or just look at the sign. you got to start thinking. Sometimes they have it mislabeled. Uh, they just, just, I'm sorry I didn't bring it today. But there's a 7-Eleven product. Oh, the time is up. Wow. There's a 7-Eleven product that came out that says, OK, and it's really dairy. It's OK dairy. and this says OK one? on it. Oh, I can't. Now I can't remember. It just came out today, and you'll be hearing about it more. OK, I want to thank you very much for listening. It's too late. Anybody want to call us during the week or want to get the magazine, especially the Kosher Supervision Guide just came out, 144 pages uh, sm- sm- filled with... 355 cities to visit this summer across the United States and Canada. Uh, You can call us at 718-336-8544. 718-336-8544. Until next week, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, and wishing everyone a wonderful week.